0: tell me you're interested, ask the questions. I am so excited to answer them and to get to know you and see if this is a fit for you. Welcome to the best year of your life in 2022. And I'm telling you right now, the iconic experience is
1: going to be like the rocket that's going to take you to the whole new level, the one that you've been asking for. I saw the change in myself of how much more joy and freedom and play I was experiencing in my body, and my life. And I thought, huh? I can spend 10 to 15 minutes just doing this thing that has such a huge impact. I learned to be comfortable in that. I learned that that is a new normal for me, that I don't have to fight that. And so it's little things like that. It's starting your day more slowly than you normally would before rushing into emails and blah, blah, blah. It's sitting in front of the window, looking outside at the trees with your cup of coffee, like little tiny things that make you uncomfortable reprogramming your body every single day to know that you are safe in those. Welcome to the Becoming Iconic podcast. I am your host,
0: Jen Spiegel. I am a life, business, and brand stylist. And after years of helping thousands of female entrepreneurs grow successful businesses and lives, I was called to bring these delicious conversations forward for those of you who are ready to build, expand, and actually enjoy all the desires of your heart. I'm so confident that this podcast will support you as you start to elevate and pursue the highest version of yourself. Thank you for being here. Sink in and enjoy. Icons, you better buckle your seatbelts for this one because I have Kelly Tennant with me today, who has been such an influence, a positive influence in my life for quite a while now. I was turned on to her through some of our mutual friends and peers. She really stretched me in terms of how I define pleasure, expansion of that word, my feminine aura and presence, and really just in the discomfort of a lot of things Kelly talks about. So why was I so uncomfortable? And why did this make me feel like I was in unknown territory? And so to have her here today and sink into the word pleasure is such a treat. Kelly is amazing and is really, to me, one of the heartbeats of empowering women right now to really open themselves up to all possibilities. So I am so glad you're here. Thank you so much
1: for your time. Thank you. I'm so happy to be with you. See, this is why I don't like giving people bios because when they say all these things, then I'm like, oh, this is cool.
0: (laughs) Well, it's like that receivership that you teach, right. maybe this is all divine and exactly the way it should be because you're able to receive in that moment versus telling somebody what to give you.
1: You know it's so interesting. I love that you kind of reflect that back. I think that is probably a part of it. I realize that the less I try and structure things and tell you what to say about me and tell you that this is how I am, I feel like I had a bio for so long when I worked in television and it was like, this is who you are, and you work for ESPN and you cover this sport, and it's just like this very restrictive way of living. And when I left that behind, and I think especially the last year of kind of maturing and getting more into this, I've just realized that the more that I try and micromanage and control things, the less I actually get to know myself. So it's so always so interesting to me to hear someone else say, This is who she is. this is how she's affected me or impacted me because. I think we all have different experiences with everyone. And it's always nice to know, like, how is it landing for you? What is your experience with me? Even if you don't really know me, like, why do I make you uncomfortable? What is this like pleasure, an idea of pleasure that like kind of hits that button for you? And I think it opens up to a broader conversation than me being like, well, this is what I do. And please say this just food for thought.
0: Oh, you're just so good at this. Like, you take us, I'm going to say us as collaborative women, but however we identify, and you take what we may be reaching into or stretching into, and you like build it up. Like just even talking about that, why would we ever want to box ourselves? And I know I have a habitual behavior of doing that. This is who I am. This is what I'm good at. This is what I dress like. And it's just been that constant finding the box, stepping into the box in my entire life. You have ripped open the box.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's so funny. It's like, if you look at my Instagram bio right now, it says something about the intersection of spirituality and sexuality and helping women break free of toxic lies and rules. It's so funny because I'm like having an existential crisis with spirituality right now. Like I really want to break up with it. So I'm looking at that bio, and this is another reason I don't give people things, is because I don't relate with that right now. I'm actually having a really hard time with the spiritual space and even talking about sex to a degree. And so I'm redefining like what is it that I'm doing and who am I? And there's this new iteration of me that is being born right now. And I think I'm entering a new phase of life. We're getting married at the end of the year. I'm about to try and have babies soon. And so there's like this maturing happening. And so I'm seeing life through totally different lenses. I think as we change and evolve and like these new versions of us come forward, just allowing who we are and the definitions we have or the identities that we've been so wrapped up in to allow those to sort of dissolve what if we didn't have a label? And what if that I didn't have this attachment to an identity? Who would I get to be? And what space would there be for me to create from that openness and that almost like even playing field rather than it needs to look a certain way?
0: So tell me then, why are you breaking up with spirituality? You have me curious.
1: (laughs) I don't feel like I'm able to verbalize this super well because I'm just now kind of seeing this, but I think a couple things. I am a truth teller and I call things out. I feel like I've always been an advocate especially for people who don't have a voice or who have less power or stature. I feel like I've been the captain of every volleyball team I've ever ever been on. I, you know, had a big girl job in television and I always had Quote unquote power and money. And so I could see things and call things out. I feel like that's where I am right now. I'm running a company. I work with a lot of amazing people. I have this podcast, I have access. And what I'm seeing is that a lot of spirituality is just being used for manipulation. We call people our followers and we want people to continue to need us and buy our courses. How are we using words? Like Language and words matter a lot to me. We have taken these words and we have almost hijacked them so that now words like embodiment and empowered and alignment and authentic are just trash because we have either overused them or the integrity of the word is gone and we, we have used them to make money and to manipulate people. I'm really having a hard time with this because I think that it's a lot of show and it's very out of integrity at the end of the day. I'm looking at the way I teach, the way I show up, and I'm realizing like there are moments where I push record and I become more of a showman rather than just living it. Because I feel like in order for me to keep up with all these people in my space, I have to use that language. And my fiance even said the other day, because I was like, I don't know what to do. what And he's like, well, you don't even talk like that normally. Why do you feel like you need to talk like that on the podcast? And I said, I mean, I guess to fit in and that's what everyone else does. As I'm calling myself out, I'm calling out the community and the way we are interacting. And this beautiful thing that I think was meant to connect us and bring us closer to God or the universe or whatever that is, has now been kind of muddied with a lot of stuff and noise. And I don't like how it feels. And I don't like people who are being taken advantage of in the process who don't even realize what's going on. Mm. So that's where I am. I don't really know what I'm going to do with it.
0: I see you actually sinking deeper into what actual spirituality is. So maybe it's just getting rid of all the layers that just don't even belong in the first place. And I love that you said these words. This is really interesting. You brought this up because I am in the mess of figuring this out too, because I know who I am, but I have somehow shape and started bringing words into my brand that don't really belong, but I am witnessing it out in the coaching industry. And I've been a part of this industry for so long. It's just, I don't know, it just like sticks. And all of a sudden you see yourself and hear yourself regurgitating words that don't necessarily, well, wouldn't be in the way I would use it. I would want to use it in its purest sense, but there's a lot of things just being like flung out there. And you're right. The impact of that word has been diluted now because we just throw
1: it out so much. I was laughing with my girlfriends the other day because everyone and their grandmother is an embodiment coach now. Yes. And I'm like, you know what? If I'm being totally honest, I don't even know what that means. Like, what does embodiment coach mean? What are you teaching? And how are you actually living your life? I mean, we're just using these words because they're buzzwords. They make us sound good. I will use words like alignment and embodiment. And if I use it more than you, then that means I'm more woke than you. Like, what? What are we even doing? (laughs)
0: Oh, Kelly's here. I am so excited to have <laughs> these kind of conversations. They matter. Like I am done with surfacey conversations. That's not what I'm here for. And to be able to talk about these things, honestly, I really savor this and it's, I cherish this. So thank you. Thanks for bringing that to the surface because I'm feeling it. The rumbling is happening, but I wasn't sure how to articulate it. And you just put it perfectly. Mm. So I want to deep dive the word pleasure has come up for me for probably about a year and the word pleasure I immediately thought of sexuality like that word would happen and I would go oh like I don't talk about that I associated pleasure with sex what I've learned what I've discovered is pleasure is about a feeling pleasure is about what makes me happy and joyful love my days and savoring things and welcoming things in. And so I would love you to give your definition of what pleasure is.
1: Pleasure is what makes me feel good. Pleasure is what brings me joy and makes me feel in purpose. It is a visceral feeling of, for me, almost like this heart opening expansion. Because the opposite of pleasure for me is like this contraction and closing off and hiding. When I am in pleasure, whether it is running a team meeting or playing with my dogs or having sex with my fiance, I feel so present and in the moment and expanded and just light. I love that you said it's not just about sex because I think that's where we get confused. And I think that's where I was confused for a long time. Is pleasure has to equate to some sort of orgasm. And that's just not true. But I think the larger even conversation than that is, we are scared in general of pleasure. We are scared of sexual pleasure. We are scared of happiness. We are scared of joy. We are scared of success because if we're not suffering, what are we going to do? We've just become so accustomed to this suffering and the needing to climb and needing to work for this and grind to be able to go on this vacation or have alone time with your partner. It's like, well, what if we lived in a world where pleasure was quote unquote normal and just a part of our lives and we didn't have to work super hard to create it. And then that was our baseline. None of us are raised that way. So we don't even know what that means.
0: No. And you just brought something up for me. And I don't know if this resonates with anybody listening or you can expand on this, but I just equivalated safety for me has been in the struggle if I'm not struggling, am I safe? Am I safe to relax into this feeling? Am I safe in my business? Am I safe in my relationship? And I don't know if I have ever put safety and pleasure on the same playing field. I think safety for me, subconsciously, I'm obviously not wanting this to be my experience, but has been I know what conflict feels like. I know what struggle feels like. I know what the hustle feels like. And so that feels safe because it's known. Pleasure hasn't always been known for me.
1: I had someone on the show, like one of my friends, and she said this and I was like, yes, suffering gives us something to do. And I was like, that's it. Oh my God. We all just need something to do. Idle hands. Like that is a terrible concept for most of us. So if we have suffering, at least we have something to do. So we think about the future. We stress about things that are probably never going to happen. We make up stories about stuff that, again, is probably never going to happen because it makes us feel like we're doing something, which makes us, like you said, feel safe and feel comfortable. So reprogramming that to what is really uncomfortable, which is letting go and surrendering, which is where we go and get to go in order to reach pleasure, is quite the journey because it's such a different experience. I talk about this living in a box with a bow on top. That's where we're comfortable, even when there's bad stuff happening inside of there. We're still comfortable. It feels better because we can anticipate it. We're like, oh, I know how to deal with like bad things and struggle. But if you take a step outside that box, there's so much unknown. And yes, there is fear and there is chances of things, quote unquote, going wrong. But that's also where all of the joy and pleasure and expansiveness is. It's outside the box. But all we have been taught is to be in the box and be the good little boys and girls, play this way and act like this. And so that's what we know. And so I always challenge people to take a step outside the box and see, just see what else is available to you. You don't even need to go taste it. You don't need to do anything with it. Just see what's out there. And when you start to see that there's so much more available, maybe you'll start to question your reality inside that box. Is this actually the life I want? Mm -hmm. I believe we get to create our reality. So if you want something different, you get to take that step. You get to lean into it. Learn to be inviting of the unknown. It's okay that we don't know what's going to happen because guess what? We don't actually have the control we think we do. And when we are controlling and micromanaging, we don't have access to pleasure. Thank you for pouring out this wisdom. What comes up for me is in the
0: box, have we been trained to live in gratitude? So, again, I'm just going to keep bringing it back to me because I love this conversation, just you and I. I think what I do, and I can own this, and again, you just shone a light on it. I've never been able to identify this before, but. I am so grateful to be grateful, if that makes any sense, right? Like I love giving gratitude and I love focusing on the good things in my life. But am I in the box being so stuck and being grateful for what's in that box that it's preventing me from taking that step out?
1: I don't Can know. Can we I ex- am yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes? <laughs> there you go. I love when people ask me questions and I'm like, I don't know, you tell me. Yeah. Because,
0: like, <laughs> what I'm seeing, what I'm seeing is like. Yes, there's great things in this box that has a bow and it's pretty and it looks great and it feels great, but there's also all these things that I'm accustomed to. If I were to step out and I know I'm talking about this because somebody listening in right now is feeling this. If I step out, sure, there's still fear and there's still maybe conflict and all the things like, what could I be grateful for? How big could that get? How do I or anybody step out of the box, like make that first move?
1: First thing I want to say before I forget, because I think this is so good. You know, Marianne Williamson. Yes. Have you ever read of Return to Love? My favorite book. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to butcher this, but there's a part in it that I am so obsessed with and it fits perfectly with what you just said. She says something like, we are so obsessed with the good stuff and managing the good stuff and having the good stuff that we don't even see that there's a plan for greatness right above us. Right. Right. And if we stepped back and let go of trying to make this thing so good, we could have great. I believe that you can be grateful and in gratitude and also want more for yourself and your life. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. I actually think that you're asking to expand and you're broadening who you are and what you desire. Mm -hmm. I think that's a beautiful thing of growth. And so for me, what I would look at is, yes, I am so grateful for XYZ. And what is it that I desire for myself? Do I desire more pleasure? Do I desire more freedom? Do I desire more play? Where do those things show up in my box? Most likely they're not because they're things you're, you're desiring that you feel like are out of reach. In order to take that step, we get to learn how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and in the unknown. Mm-hmm. So if I desire more play in my life... I'll use a simple example. For me, playing with my dogs radically transforms my day and my life. That is like a very simple thing I get to do. Well, when I am comfortable and I am running things and I'm in the masculine and I'm doing, there is no room for that. That's my box is like this, right? I don't have space to play with them. If I go play with them, that feels unknown. When I first started doing that, I was very uncomfortable because I thought, oh, "I'm I'm taking a break in the middle of the day to just literally play with the dogs. What's wrong with me? I'm supposed to be doing something." And I trusted. And so I started to do it and I st- I saw the change in myself of how much more joy and freedom and play I was experiencing in my body and my life, and I thought, "Huh, I can spend 10 to 15 minutes just doing this thing that has such a huge impact." I learned to be comfortable in that. I learned that that is a new normal for me that I don't have to fight that. And So it's little things like that. It's starting your day more slowly than you normally would before rushing into emails and blah, blah, blah. It's sitting in front of the window, looking outside at the trees mm-hmm. with your cup of coffee, like little tiny things that make you uncomfortable reprogramming your body every single day to know that you are safe in those and then see how that impacts you. And how does that fit into your desires? And that is what you taught me because that's where it started. For me, it was coffee outside
0: with the trees and just putting the phone down and absorbing nature and listening to birds and seeing the trees. Like I never really looked at them. They were there. I appreciated them. But there's this element and and changing my day where I don't start until 11 a.m. every day. And having that space in the morning has been so beautiful. And I'm so much more productive. And those are little tiny steps. I love that. But here's something that I just want to backtrack because I'm I'm mm-hmm. there, I'm, I'm feeling the pleasure. I'm curious with myself, I suppose. But when I started this journey, I was really taken back as a woman, how out of touch I was with what gave me pleasure and what I desired. Like I didn't even know where to start. I thought, I don't know. And is this like a good girl thing? Like there was so many hiccups and so many narratives that were preventing me from even understanding myself. And I don't think I'm alone in that. Do you have that experience with the people you talk to where they're just like, I don't know what brings me pleasure?
1: Oh, totally. I mean, I was that person for sure a couple of years ago. I think there are two things that happen. I think we get disconnected from what we think we want and we also get disconnected from our own bodies. I don't think we can understand our own pleasure and desires until we're reconnected and feel safety within our bodies. Mm -hmm. And I think especially as women, we don't feel safe in our own body. And if you don't feel safe in your own body, this conversation is going to make no sense to you because you're like, pleasure? What is that? I'm just trying to survive. Some of the first things to do is to create a foundation of safety. And for me, that looked like going through somatic therapy talk therapy, working with people on the things that made me feel unsafe. I had been through sexual assault. I had eating disorders. I drove my body into the ground as an athlete. All of these things made me super disconnected and I didn't want to be here. And so I worked For So long to create that sense of safety. And once I had that safety, I started to understand how unsafe in my own environment I felt. So I didn't even feel relaxed enough to let go to have an experience pleasure. So Mm -hmm. that's when I started taking baths. And I just started taking baths and like gently touching my arms, gently touching my legs, not in a sexual way. But just feeling what is it like to be in my body, to feel my body, to appreciate it, to be in the quiet, in a sacred space with myself where no one is around me. And I did that for months and months and months. And even now when I feel ungrounded or I feel kind of chaotic or I'm being super needy, which means I'm not taking care of myself, I just go get in the bath. I'm like, okay, I'm nipping this real quick. And I immediately come back to myself and I'm connected. So I think those are some of the best things that we can do. Something that's really helped women in my community is utilizing journal prompts. Like if no one was judging me, how would I spend my day? If I had the ability to do anything in my career, it didn't matter what anyone thought. What would I do? Because usually for us, it comes back to people judging us and telling us we're not good enough or our dad being like, you need financial security. Don't do that. And so that's how we live our lives. So if you write down, if my dad didn't choose my career for me, I would be a what? I always have the the girls in my community, like write down their deepest desires. I'm like, write down the thing that you definitely want to make sure your mom doesn't find in your journal, <laughs> right? <laughs> the thing that will be, you'll be like bright red. Oh dear God, my mom just found this. That's what we write down. How uncomfortable can you make yourself? Because when we get it out of ourselves and we get it onto paper, we can tell a friend about it, it comes up and out of our bodies. And I believe it makes it feel less scary because we're taking this thing that probably builds up inside of us and we create stories around it. For me, it was being bisexual. I couldn't say it out loud because my parents would think I'm disgusting and they're gonna turn on me and no one's gonna like me. And who am I to like like women and men. What's wrong with me? And then once I got it out and I started to actually look at it and feel it, I was like, oh, this is definitely not as bad as I thought it was. So I think getting out of ourselves and just being really honest, if people weren't going to judge me, if that was a non issue, what would I choose for myself? What would be available to me? I'm
0: just like contemplating on that question because I think most of us make decisions through the lenses of will I be judged? Will I be judged? Is this acceptable? Is this acceptable? And so what we're doing, you brought up the word authenticity and how that's been just a beautiful word taken now. And what is the meaning anymore? I don't don't even know. But I believe the true essence of that word is what you just said, giving ourselves permission to be fully ourselves and not worry about judgment. And that when we're doing that and realizing that there are parts that may be unacceptable to some people, also celebrate fully the parts of ourselves that are just so unique and special. That to me is authenticity, that ability to not fit in, but just be your truest essence. And you really do show that you amplify that, give an example of it all the time. And I want to just take another opportunity to thank you because these conversations, these questions you just asked, how could anybody sit still now? I mean, I want to grab my journal and just ask myself those questions because it's almost, I'm almost sensing it's like a flirtation a curiosity to start diving in and asking yourself, what is it?
1: Yes. I love that. Again, back to the bisexuality thing, because it's my best example is when I was starting to flirt with this idea and get curious about it, I was having so many meltdowns because I had this voice in my head telling me I was disgusting and wrong and bad. And I remember Connor came to me and he said, babe, you need to let yourself feel what you want to feel. And I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I've never done that before. As I sat with that, I started to realize I have feelings come up and then I shove them down. I'm like, oh, nope, <gasps> nope. And we're not going to deal with this. And we're not going to feel this. And that's wrong. And I'm in constant judgment of myself. And I I always talk about like this tiny little lady that lives in my womb space. And I would just see her start crawling up and then I would just push her back down and I would shove her as deep as I could because I'm like, we're not doing this. I'm not recognizing this part of myself. And it was when I set her free to feel and play and do whatever she wanted that I finally set myself free. I finally felt like me, not a version of me that I wanted people to see or be accepted or be good enough. It was like, no, this is actually me and I'm just going to be and if you don't like me, then that's totally okay because we're not all for everyone and I don't like everyone either and that's fine. I'm not going to keep shoving down the feelings that are coming up within me because all I'm doing is suppressing myself. I believe that we are imprisoned and chained by society and our parents and belief systems and church and all of that, but I actually believe that our worst enemies is ourselves. I think that we chain ourselves more than anything because even when we have the awarenesses of Like for me, I grew up Catholic. Okay. The Catholic church believes all these things that aren't actually accurate to me. Okay. I let that go. Well, I'm still judging myself and I'm still suppressing myself. So is the Catholic church the enemy now, or am I the one that needs to take responsibility for how I'm treating myself and holding myself back?
0: Well, that's to me, radical responsibility, like personal Mm -hmm. responsibility. And so what we can do, it's This martyrism and this victimhood that, you know, I can, I can own it. I've been there and I can be there quickly. Like I can quickly turn into that where it's projection. Well, it's because of this or my husband's in a bad mood. So it's low energy in the house. I'm in a funk. And what you're saying to us and what I heard is like, it's completely my responsibility and I'm being my own worst enemy. He's not being my enemy. I'm being my own worst enemy by allowing that energy to deplete my own. Is that what Mm -hmm. you're saying?
1: Yes. Yes. I believe in a radical responsibility and creating our reality. I think that that is the one thing that most of us fight the hardest. It is a whole new experience when you get to say, oh, I created this. Oh, I asked for this. I'll give a perfect example. We are in the middle of wedding planning and we just moved into a new house. I'm having a spiritual existential crisis. And so I'm feeling very overwhelmed today. And I got off a call with the wedding planner And we're trying to figure out rooms for all these people. And I am like all over the place in my body. I'm like, (gasps) what are we going to do? This is so stressful. And then the printer's not working. And I go in and I barge into my fiance's office and I bring all of my energy into him when he's just trying to work. And I expect him to fix it and to make it all better and to do the thing. And he's like, I was fine. And then you walked in like a crazy lady. And now my energy is all over the place. And this is so screwed up. And I'm like, oh, right. I created this dynamic. So after I get off this podcast with you, I'm going to go in and apologize to him for bringing in all this craziness that was so unnecessary. It's my overwhelm that I get to manage. I'm taking on too much. And I know that, which is why I feel like I'm losing my mind. So if I just take some things off my plate and take a breath and then I walk in, I'm like, hey, we need to figure out where people are sleeping. That's going to go a lot better. And then we're not going to be fighting. But that's my responsibility. I have to acknowledge that. But I think my old self and I think probably many people listening, we go to, oh it's his fault. I'm overwhelmed and why didn't he fix it? That's not right. how this works. And I wonder too if
0: because I I witness people all the time. I work with thousands of women and I see it all the time where it's this projection and what I'm even thinking like in my experience even finding pleasure it was like somebody tell me. Like tell me what is pleasurable. Tell me what I like. Tell me what I like to wear. And it was not always that I needed it verbally told to me, but I needed some sort of evidence or someone to show me an example. And that isn't taking personal responsibility. Like This is another huge moment for me where I'm connecting the dots. It's this projection, this poor me, I don't know what pleasure is. Somebody let me know and I may buy into that story and take it on and say, I'm in pleasure. So I love that you're saying not only in our pleasurable moments and like the desires we have, but also in the relationships and the way we're walking through our day, which ultimately leads to pleasure, doesn't it? Like I must, I even yeah. saw you change, like you physically change when you're like, I'm going to apologize and
1: say it this way. Do you remember? Did you ever see a runaway bride? Runaway you know, bride. I watched that, but I cannot remember. I don't know if I remember well, it. There's this amazing scene. If any of your listeners have um, watched it. Julia Roberts. She just goes from relationship to relationship. She finally ends things with this one guy. She realizes that she doesn't even know what kind of eggs she likes. She always just does what everyone else wants. So if she's with Joe, she likes fried eggs. And then when she's with Bob, she likes scrambled eggs because that's what they like. So she just follows along. So she breaks off this engagement. She like literally runs from the wedding. And then she has this whole table of all the different types of eggs. And she goes through and she literally tries every type of egg until she figures out, oh, I like whatever egg. That is what we are doing. We are living our lives based on everyone else. And it's like, oh, this person said I'm supposed to do this. I'm just going to go do that. When we don't even check in with ourselves and say, do I even like this? Does this even make me feel good? Mm-hmm. So how can we very simply like, take a poll within our own bodies and say, do I like when uh, someone goes down on me? Or. Do I like when I'm touched in this way or does this part of my vagina actually cause me pain or do I enjoy laying on the grass and just looking up at the stars? Does that bring me immense joy that I never even knew was possible? All these tiny little things equate to such big change in our lives because the more we are in tune with what we actually want and desire and what feels good, then we can get into, well, what's a yes and what's a no and then our bodies are leading us rather than our brains being in our ego and our people pleasing of oh well they want me to be like this so let me just go back to this pattern
0: this is coming up like this next step so i love that thank you for explaining that and the, that really resonates all the eggs like that's just such a beautiful story to tell an analogy so i'm wondering okay we come into touch with ourselves and we are like you know what i think this brings me pleasure i think i like this and i like the way this feels the next question I know women are going to have, because I cannot be alone in this, is how do we start asking for what we want and saying no to the things we don't want? Because what happens is we go that slippery slope back to people-pleasing where it's like, well, I don't know if I want to say this. Like, let's say, for example, this is going to be a silly example, but it's people will get it. Let's say you watch thriller movies with your partner because that's what they like. And you really like romance comedies but you just watch the thriller because that's easy, but you'd say, no, I really want to watch romance. And you know, he's not going to like that. What do you do? How do you start speaking up for yourself in a way that empowers you?
1: How much longer are you willing to betray yourself? That's literally what it is. Yeah. Are you willing to betray yourself or are you willing to say what you want and make someone else uncomfortable? Yeah. What's worse for you? When we finally get to the point where we can answer that question and say, I'm not going to do that anymore. So I'm just going to say what I want. That's the point you have to get to. We're not going to do it while we're like, oh yeah, whatever. That's great. No, we got to get to a point where like, I cannot live like this anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. Who are you giving your loyalty to? Yes. If you do not choose yourself first at every moment, like that's just what it is. So in my relationship, I have to choose myself first too, because otherwise I'm a bad partner. I believe that choosing ourselves first makes everything better. It makes our children better. It makes our relationships better, our businesses better, everything. Because we are coming from a full place, asking for what we want and leaning into our desires. Mm. I remember when Connor and I first started dating, I've dealt with like a lot of things sexually of being nervous for asking for what I want, feeling like I'm supposed to just be this vessel for pleasure for men. And I remember I was on top of him and he told me to touch myself. And he said something about like, I want you to own your orgasm. And I was like, what does that even mean? And I look back now and I'm so grateful because I didn't know that you could be having sex with someone and touch yourself and that that was okay that i could do something to myself or ask for what i wanted like hey i would like you to do this to me because it feels good i had no idea that was possible mm-hmm. and now i have full ownership over my orgasms he can't read my mind or my body all the time he doesn't always know what's going to feel great so i can say hey a little to the left or i want you behind me because that feels really good it's like closer to my g spot or whatever the reason is when we own our orgasms and we own our pleasure Everything changes. And guess what? Unless you're with someone who's super manipulative and abusive, most people like a little feedback because they can't read our minds either. Right. And so it helps if you're going to be in more pleasure because of something they're doing, just giving them a little direction actually benefits everyone. And if you're in a heteronormative relationship with a guy, it makes them feel good. They're like, yeah, look at me. The way (sighs) I did that thing to her and it made her make that noise again. We have to be in communication in order for that to happen. That's beautiful. And it's like using your voice.
0: It's relearning and teaching ourselves to use our voice. And that is safe. So you brought up something about everything changes with pleasure. And this is a question that I was so excited to ask you because I know there's so much to what you have to offer. Like Pleasure is just the tipping point of what you teach. Can you cast a vision For a woman who is just starting her journey to figure out pleasure of what her world could look like and feel like if she completely surrenders to this, this journey and
1: finding out what that is for her. You get to have it all. Whoever said you don't get to have it all is a freaking liar. Is life hard sometimes? Yes. Do people die? Do you know, we lose jobs? Yes. All the things and you can still have it all. When we are in pleasure and we are inviting pleasure in and we let go of control and we're not micromanaging every part of our lives and we are excited to get curious and invite in the unknown, you can literally have everything. Say you're running a business and you are in pleasure and in flow and inviting the unknown in. Your business gets to take on its own energy and it gets to blossom without you micromanaging every little bit of it. Your team, Every client that comes in, every piece of paperwork, I am receiving. I work with these kinds of clients. I am open to financial abundance. Like, whatever that is for you, the channels are open. When we are in pleasure and we are playful and we are in flow, everything opens. And I believe everything is an energetic exchange. So, if you are contracted and restrictive, how are you supposed to have financial wealth? And the clients that you want to work with, or whatever that looks like, when you are totally closed off and shut down. When we are open, everything is available to us the relationships, the communication, the ability to ask for what we want, constructive fights. Connor and I have the most constructive fights. A year ago, I could not have said that. We would get in these brawl out fights. And it would always end up with me wanting to bail and him just being super angry. And now we're really productive when we fight. We listen, we hear each other, we're super compassionate. It's like, yes, I kind of hate you right now, but also I hear you (laughs) and I understand. And then like we work through it and five minutes later, it's over. You can literally have every aspect of your life that you want. And when we're in pleasure, the way we call things in and the way we energetically attract things, is far different than we are when we are shut down and restricted. Yeah. So you go from a very lack way of living into, oh, I didn't even know that was possible. Cool. I'm going to have that now and everything becomes available to you.
0: Ooh. And I feel that. You brought up wealth. I just want to touch on it. I know this is another conversation and but i know in my experiences i've invited in more pleasure my bank account has grown and i don't know and i'd love your advice on this i don't know if it's because i am not focusing solely on the roi of my business and growth and you know there was so much energy put into that and i'm just now like enjoying my coffee in the morning outside I don't understand. And so I'd love your advice and and help expanding me how that coordinates, but it just has, is it just simply, like you said, the flow is there. So you're more open to receiving.
1: Yeah. When we are in a better mood, when we are happier, when we are full of joy, we have a different lens through which we experience the world and ourselves. So when we are stressed out and grinding and restricted, That is how we see the world. So what kind of clients do you think you're going to get? Or are you going to get clients? Because everything is through that lens. That is the energy you're putting out. There is desperation. There is not good enoughness. There is I lack value and worthiness. That is what you are putting into your business, into your relationship, and into your life. Now, when you switch into I play, I don't work till 11, I enjoy my coffee, I take care of myself, I fill myself up before I give to others. You have the lens of things are amazing and things flow and I feel good and I am in play and pleasure and all of those things. That's the lens through which you experience life. We create our reality. So if you want a reality that feels like financial wealth and playfulness and joy and pleasure, go be that. It's going to reflect. Our internal world is reflected in our external. Mm -hmm. So if you want to live that, Go be that.
0: Yeah. And there's a difference because it's not a fake it till you make it. No, that's different. Maybe explain that because I'm hearing you, but I want to make sure that they understand it's not this faking, like go get your Louis Vuitton bag and an expensive car and a beautiful home. And that's embodying, you know, I'm using all those words that you and I kind of twitch at, but that's what's (laughs) happening. I'm watching it. It's this hype mentality. So that's a faking till you make it. What is this? How do you be? that person when you're not that person yet.
1: I made a lot of money when I was working in TV. I had all the Manolo Blahniks and the Louis Vuittons and I drove the Mercedes and I all of the things. And I hated myself and my body and my life. I was miserable. But I mean, I was like the hot chick on TV. I was smiling all the time and I was interviewing all the most famous players in the country. So on the outside, I was like, oh, look at me. I'm so happy and my life is so fulfilling. Okay. Yeah. Louis Vuitton is not going to fulfill you. I'm just going to put that out there. So I've had both versions. I've had the, I have a ton of money and I live well and I do all the things and I'm miserable. And I've had the, I run a successful business and I have, I live in my dream home with my amazing partner and our dogs. And I am more playful and more fulfilled and in more pleasure. The difference is I believe I deserve joy and happiness. I believe I am worthy I believe I am enough and I am not trying to people please or make you like me anymore because I don't need your validation to make me happy. I don't live for that anymore. Mm -hmm. I live to make myself happy, which then creates a happy, pleasurable world around me.
0: That's just beautiful.
1: How are you going to be iconic
0: today, Miss Kelly?
1: I am going to be iconic by taking a break this afternoon and Mm. breathing. It's so funny. If you had asked me that question a couple years ago, I would have come up with some convoluted answer about how I'm going to take over the world and just be the best. (laughs) Right now, I feel like the best thing I can do for myself and everyone around me is to take care of myself and just to breathe and to stop for a second and to find a little balance in the day. Again, the more I take care of myself, the better I show up for everyone else in my life. And I do believe that that's iconic.
0: Mm, It sure is, my friend. So congratulations on your engagement. I watched all that go down. It was beautiful. And your new home and your fur babies are so cute. The one, is he a golden doodle?
1: Yes, like, Dutch.
0: Oh, uh, They have like a special place in my heart. Golden doodles are amazing. Oh, I know. Oh, tell everybody where to go find you because I know you have provoked some people today. So I'd love them to go check you out.
1: Thank you. Uh, yeah, so my website's kellytenant.com. Instagram is Kelly M Tenant. I'm very active in the DMs. If anyone has questions, I'm happy to answer any of them. And then my podcast is The Kelly Show.
0: Yeah, it's so good, friends. Thank you so much for your time. I feel like we just got like a taste of who you are, <laughs> but it was a really good bite. So I appreciate it.
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for being here. I hope you know how deeply grateful I am for the time and space you give to the Becoming Iconic podcast. It is an honor and a privilege to show up here twice a week and pour into you. And thank you for those five-star reviews that you've been giving and those beautiful compliments. It means so much. And the time you spend to do that is just the most beautiful way to give back. The other thing I want to challenge us to as a community is to share more. It's so simple to copy this link into a text to a friend who you think would benefit from what you just listened to or share it into your stories. Make sure to tag me, by the way, because I love resharing and allowing your network to maybe discover something that they wouldn't have if it weren't for you. And just a gentle reminder that jenspiegel.com, that website was designed for you for you in mind and what you need in your life and business the blog the resources the different ways of working together they all sit there and they're available to you so I challenge you to go over there make it a habit of checking out what's new and exciting at the end of the day I just want you to know I love this community I appreciate being able to show up for you and I just want you to make it a great day